0: This afternoon I proclaim to you the Word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 3. We'll also read in connection with that Article 15 of the Belgic Confession, Article 15. But first of all, Lord's Day 3, we confess in Lord's Day 2 that we're unable and inclined by nature to hate God and our neighbor, unable to keep the law perfectly. And then we confess in Lord's Day 3, did God then create man so wicked and perverse? No, on the contrary, God created man good and in his image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might rightly know God, his creator, heartily love him and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. From where, then, did man's depraved nature come? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise, For there our nature became so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes, unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. And then we turn to Article 15, Belgian Confession, page 505 of the Book of Praise. And in that article, we confess uh, original sin. And it says there, We believe that by the disobedience of Adam, original sin has spread throughout the whole human race. It is a corruption of the entire nature of man and a hereditary evil which infects even infants in their mother's womb. As a root, it produces in man all sorts of sin. It is therefore so vile and abominable in the sight of God that it is sufficient to condemn the human race. It is not abolished nor eradicated even by baptism, for sin continually streams forth like water welling up from this woeful source. Yet, in spite of all this, original sin is not imputed to the children of God, to their condemnation, but by His grace and mercy is forgiven them. This does not mean that the believers may sleep peacefully in their sin, but that the awareness of this corruption may make them often groan as they eagerly wait to be delivered from this body of death, in this regard, we reject the error of the Pelagians who say that this sin is only a matter of imitation. So far, our confessions. brothers and sisters in the Lord, and boys and girls belonging to the Lord, What. Is normal over the past few decades for instance psychiatrists have expanded the number of mental disorders to such an extent that there doesn't seem to be any normal left anymore when it comes to people's thought and behavior patterns normal sorrow has become depression even being shy has become as diagnosed as a social illness. In fact, there are so many classes and subclasses of abnormal that it has become the new normal to be abnormal. So the question many psychiatrists ask today is, who is actually normal? And the same has happened with the norms of our society, the normally accepted behaviors. These norms have been pushed farther and farther from what they once were. What was regarded as sinful and wrong in the past is now celebrated with pride. And you see that reflected in sexuality, for instance, the LGBTQ. TQ agenda is being pushed in the media and politically and the new normal as far as gender and sexual desire is the new normal is not to be normal. But congregation, do you realize that all of us in a certain way have become abnormal? And that abnormal unfortunately easily becomes normal. Normal to us. Our own abnormal becomes acceptable to us and becomes our normal. Now the ancient Romans had a saying, to err is human. In other words, sin is normal human behavior. But it isn't normal. Sin is abnormal. But we have so easily, we become used to sin And then for us, it's normal. It's the new normal, you could say, is sin. When we're wronged, our first reaction is inclined to be that we become angry ourselves too. And that we harbor bitterness and see how we can get back at that person and seek revenge on them. And then we all fully understand others who react that way too. And that's normal to us then. But that's not normal, normal reaction. So what is normal? Let's think about that this afternoon in the light of what we confess in Lord's Day 3 from Holy Scripture. The theme for the sermon is, it's normal to be like Jesus Christ. And we'll see two things. First, He is the image of God. And secondly, he gives us his spirit to form us in his image. First of all, Jesus Christ is the new image of God. What is normal? Hard to define in our secular and confused society today, nowadays. But Lord's Day 3 confesses from God's word what normal is. In the first question and answer, it's to be like God. In thinking, in your acting, in your speaking, to be like God. Because that's normal, because that's how God created man in the beginning. He formed man out of dust and created him in his image. He breathed into his nostrils and gave him life, made man in his image and likeness. That's what it says in Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God. He created him. And so we confess in the first question. And answer of Lord's Day 3. God created man good. And in his image. Of course. That being created in God's image. Didn't mean that man physically looked like God. No. That being made in God's image had to do with how people think, act, and react, and communicate. And what is normal for God, and God is the norm. What what is normal for God then was normal for people created in His image. God is the great and perfect norm and people were created in His image. In thinking, in feeling, in acting, in speaking, man imitated God. God was His norm. And that's why it's explained in Lord's Day 3 that when God created man in His image, that means He created him in true righteousness and holiness. That is what God is like. Righteous and holy. And that means too that there was no sin in how man thought, acted, reacted, communicated. God didn't sin in those things, so men who God created in His image didn't either. There was only righteousness and holiness. And we confess that in the, in the canons of Dort then too. Chapters 3, 4, article the first article. Man's will and heart were upright. All his affections were pure. And therefore man was completely holy. And then came Satan, that great deceiver. He came into paradise in the form of that serpent. That fallen angel is powerful. Able to speak through an animal like that? He told the first people that they should think of themselves first. They were being shortened by God. God should not be their norm. Why should their lives be directed into serving Him? Being like Him rather than listening to God. Being like him, why not decide what's right and wrong, what's good and evil for yourself? Think about yourself. Decide for yourself. Let yourself be the norm for how you think, speak, act. You see, Satan urged our first parents not to let God be the norm. For how they thought and behaved. But to make themselves the norm. Of how they thought and behaved. Communicated. And that appealed to them. That appealed to no longer be image of God. To no, no longer be imitators of God. But to decide good and evil in themselves. From themselves. Apart from God. Over against God even. And we live in a society where that is how people live, want to live. Let themselves be the norm. And you know what happened? Adam and Eve were afraid of God. They separated themselves from God. They were shamed before God. Also, ashamed before each other. They became people who were inclined only to think of themselves and be and to be insensitive to God and to others. That's how, how it becomes when you yourself are the norm of how you think, speak, and act. People who find it normal to envy one another and to be upset at one another and even to hate one another and to think the worst of each other and to say and do nasty things to each other. Because it's all about me. People inclined to be so self-centered that they think it's normal not to be loving to each other. And worse yet, not to constantly live in love and submission to God who is love. Because it's all about the self. I am my own norm. I want to decide for myself what's good and what's evil. What's beneficial and not. And you see then, after that fall of our first parents, there's very little left of that image of God and man. Our confessions speak of traces, traces, that means footprint, a footprint, like when somebody walks in fresh snow and leaves a footprint behind. You can see that somebody used to be there, has once been there, walked there, but they're no longer there. They're gone, so it was with Adam and Eve, also for their, with their children. It's interesting to note what it says in Genesis 5, the first few verses of Genesis 5 then. It says there, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And then it says, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness. After his image. And named him Seth. Now you could read that two ways. You could read that there that Seth was also God's image. Because he was the image of his father Adam. Who was made in God's image in the beginning. But you could also read that differently. Adam was made in God's image. But when Seth was born. After the fall. He was Adam's image. And no longer God's image as his father had been created originally. In other words, he carried on the thoughts, feelings, words, and actions of his father Adam. Thoughts, feelings, words, and actions which were infected with the self-centeredness which infected Adam and Eve after the fall. That original sin of Adam became an infection passed on from parents to children. The Belgian Confession calls it a corruption of the entire nature of man and a hereditary evil which infects even infants in their mother's womb. Which means that every part of, the, of one's life is affected affected by that infection. Doesn't mean that you're all, we're all as bad as we can be, but every part of our life is affected by it. And somehow it's passed on from father and mother to children. That's how it, you're born. And it's no wonder then that you also imitate your parents' behavior. Something for parents to think about, by the way. Your children are going to imitate a lot, a lot of your way of thinking, speaking, and acting. If children, if children constantly hear parents speaking critically of others and see and experience them acting lovelessly towards others they're going to see that way of thinking and acting as normal. Just think of how much of those things you took over from your own parents too. As you get older you realize you're more like them that you, than you, you th- maybe thought or possibly wanted to be. So take care parents. But back to our topic. The fact is that there was little left of the image of God in man. Traces. And it's interesting that nowhere else in the Old Testament is man mentioned anymore as the image of God in his fallen state. Yes, in Genesis 9 there's mention of how God created man in the beginning. But for the rest, we read nowhere in the Old Testament that man is called the image of God. No, instead of man living as God's image out of himself, we read in the Old Testament how God has to prescribe to man how to live as his image. He has to hit him over the head with it. These are my norms. And he does that with his law. In the law, he says, this is how you need to think, to feel, to speak, to act. This is normal. You shall have no other gods before me. Normal. You shall not hate or murder. Normal. You shall love. You shall not steal. You shall give. Normal. You shall not bear false testimony. Speak the truth. Normal. You shall not covet. Normal, but we know from the Old Testament that the people of God chose to give That that the people God chose to give his law they didn't want to live according to those norms that God gave them They didn't want to live according to that But when the promised Savior God's Son came into this world as man We read about jesus christ in the new testament a number of times then we 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 come across the image of god in man again with the lord jesus christ it wasn't mentioned in the old testament anymore but with christ speaking about the image of god returns in scripture We read that in Colossians 1 verse 15. The Apostle Paul calls Jesus Christ the image of the invisible God. And the Apostle speaks like that in other places too. For example, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 where he writes about the people who don't believe whose minds the God of this age has blinded so that they don't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And you can also think of Hebrews 1 verse 2 where the Lord Jesus is describing as being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. See, congregation, Jesus Christ is what God created man to be from the start. In everything, he is the image of God. God was his total norm. He was not self-centered He didn't think of himself before God the Father. His food was always to do his Father's will in every respect. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he was hated, he did not hate in return, but prayed for forgiveness even for those who nailed him to the cross. He could be angry, but not about himself, but about his Father's honor. And he had perfect love for his father and he was full of love toward the people around him god the father was his norm and in all those things jesus christ was and is as son of god but also as man then the image of god and that's how he is as the apostle writes the second adam His blood is the new covenant. We speak of the new covenant in His blood at the Lord's supper table. He's the one who connects God and man again. The Savior. He, as image of God in perfect righteousness and holiness, is our perfect example. Our new normal. Our norm. We learn from Him what normal is again. When we embrace him in faith, we are remade in God's image again. But we have to be honest and admit that we're not made into Christ's image and so into God's image automatically. Just like that, as soon as you believe God's image. No. In this first part of the Catechism about our sin and misery, we confess that after the fall of our first parents, our nature became so corrupt, we're all conceived and born in sin. And in this life here, even baptism does not eradicate that, that original sin as we confess in the Belgian Confession. No, it stays there in this life. It's, it's something we struggle with, have to fight with our whole life long. Of ourselves, we're not anymore what God made us to be, His image. And we're not like Jesus was and is. We ought to be. We created that, like that, and Jesus has redeemed us to be that and he shows us in the gospel how to live like that but we find it so normal yet even as Christians so normal to think, feel, speak and act differently than we, know, than we do in our sins with our sinful nature. It's still so close at hand for us to be self-centered, selfish, unkind, unloving, reactive, judgmental, And however normal that may seem to us to be that way, it is not normal. As Christians, we can't justify that by saying, well, it's human to err. It isn't God. Didn't make us this way. He made man a little lower than divine, we sang in Psalm 8. And gave him dominion over all things. And don't forget that Jesus was and is true man. And he's not that way. He was one of us. We need to confess that of ourselves we're weak and sinful people, all of us. And it's a daily struggle for us to live a a new life. Not to live, to use ourselves as a norm but to live according to God's norm. How often in a day don't we think, feel, speak or act in an unloving, unthinking way to God and toward our neighbor. That should make us humble. Humble extremely humble before God and toward one another. That should bring us to ask God every day again, forgive me that I am not what you made me to be and what you in Christ want me to be. To forgive for being so self-centered yet like our parents on that day when they picked that fruit of that one tree in paradise forgive for accepting sin in our life as normal, to forgive in the name of Christ who is so normal that he gave himself up completely for us on the cross. In congregation, we can also ask God for the sake of Christ to give us his spirit so that again and again and more and more we may be renewed in Christ's image and that brings us to the second part of the sermon this afternoon. Jesus Christ gives us his spirit to form us in his image. Congregation, our goal as Christians, as redeemed people, is to more and more think, feel, speak, and act like the Lord Jesus, who is our normal now, the true image of God. God. And the apostle writes about that among other places in Romans 8.29 where he says, For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. He first, we with him. More and more like him in thinking, in speaking to others, in behavior, in how we treat one another, looking like him in his incomprehensible love and patience and kindness. And the more you're like him, the more you then also become renewed in the image of your creator, as it says in that part of Colossians 3, which we read together. And see, that's where the language of Genesis 1 comes back again, through faith in Jesus Christ. Giving yourself over to him. By his spirit, you're recreated in the image of God again. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Through the bond of faith in Christ, you become new again. Instead of being like the old Adam, our forefather Adam after the fall, you become like the second Adam, Jesus Christ, restored in the image of God, in Him. And that's possible. That's possible through the working of the Holy Spirit. The spirit Christ obtained for us by his death. He regenerates through the gospel. The spirit does. And he gives a rebirth. So that you're not just a child of the first Adam. Child of your parents. Who could only pass on to you that corrupt nature. No. You're given rebirth. So that again you you die to sin. And live to righteousness. Righteousness live in love, seek the righteousness and holiness of God in all you do, and your Savior. You let the Spirit of Christ take you over more and more so that you have, as the Apostle says, the mind of Christ. And then, congregation, you learn what normal is. If Christ is the norm, you learn what normal is, and that normal will be different than you learn from parents or what came up in yourself. You learn to give up your life in order to save it, which doesn't sound normal at all. You learn to love like Christ instead of judging rashly or speaking unsympathetically from the hip. You learn to react to things like Christ would react. You learn to be selfless like he was instead of self-centered. And that's possible. That's possible through that great power of the Spirit whom Christ has obtained for us and who he wants to give us through the gospel of his salvation. He writes God's good law on our stony hearts then and gives us hearts of flesh. And he does that bit by bit through constant listening to the gospel, opening the word. And so we learn to think, feel, speak, act normally again according to God's norms as embodied in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then sin becomes abnormal to you. And you become normal like Him. And you teach and encourage others too to live that new, normal, amen.